Welcome to Down in the Den. It's your boy, Mars, and thank you so much for joining us on the recap and review of WandaVision Episode 7, Breaking the Fourth Wall. So let's get into it. So this episode was definitely interesting and different in pacing from the other episodes. Kind of felt more of a filler episode. It took me a couple of rewatches to really, really grasp how many huge things happened. Uh, but overall, it it wasn't a bad episode. It was very good. Not great. Not perfect. Uh, can't give it a five star so I would give this episode a solid three and a half stars out of five, putting it firmly in the good category. Like I said, it wasn't great. It wasn't perfect. Um, I could certainly see where a lot of people consider it a filler episode, but there was a lot of big things that happened and a lot of reveals. For those that aren't really huge into the comic books, this was a huge reveal. Me, as soon as they announced the character of Agnes, I knew it was Agatha uh, Harkness. But we'll get into that more in the breakdown. But for the review, I give this episode three and a half out of five stars. A solid good, not great. I think this is the appetizer before the entree for these last two episodes. Uh, So I would definitely give it a three and a half star out of five star. Good, not excellent, not perfect, not great, but a good episode a necessary episode and one upon further review. uh, I really, really thoroughly enjoy it. So let's go ahead and get into the recap. So this episode began very similar to the previous episode. Episode six with a cold opening uh, in the sitcom format. Uh, We've now gone up to the 2010s and this episode is clearly modeled after Modern Family and Office, where they're doing the documentary style and they're talking directly into the camera, breaking the fourth wall. Wanda wakes up from the events of episode six after she expanded the hats to save Vision and literally captured half of the sword base and turned uh, the base into a circus and a lot of the uh, sword agents into clowns and, and circus people. So it was very interesting, the cold opening. She even wakes up in her same comic book accurate Halloween costume that she um, wore in the previous episode. She wakes up in the bed, no vision, no Pietro to be a, to be seen. And she looks into the camera, and she's pretty much cracking. Uh, But it was very comical how they did it. She looks into the camera, and she acknowledges that this is a made-up world that she's made, and she created it, and it's falling apart. And to punish herself, she's going to self-quarantine too soon, Wanda, self-quarantine and just have a, a day to herself. And so we see the kids downstairs, Billy and Tommy, they're playing, it looks like Nintendo Switch. And because, and I believe this is because of spanning the hats, put a strain on her powers, the video game they were playing just started skipping generations. So it started with a Nintendo Switch. Looks like it went into like a GameCube controller and then went to Atari controller and finally breaking down to Uno cards. The kids run in. And they're like, Mom, can you come down? Can you fix this? Things are going crazy. 
And then another interesting part, uh, I believe Tommy uh, said, hey, my head really hurts. Um, it's loud in there. And, and that's a direct response to his uh, telepathic power starting to kick in. He can hear the thoughts of pretty much everyone around him. And this is a common trope in superhero movies when people have telepathy and it first develops. They don't know how, because they're not trained, they don't know how to silence the voices. So they're hearing everyone talking at the same time, everyone's inner thoughts, which I can only imagine would be horrific, especially for a 10-year-old uh, child. But um, Wanda just kind of dismissed them, very dismissive. And uh, she just says, hey, I am resting my eyes, resting my eyes, saying it over and over until the kids pretty much just give up and leave. Uh, she comes downstairs in a robe and she's just kind of dishuffled and uh, she pours her a bowl of cereal. And one thing that was really cool, it starts off with like your modern day oat milk. And then it switches to a carton of milk that you saw in the you know 90s, 80s, 90s. And then it finally broke down to your old Overweiss style uh, glass dairy milk. And she just pours it on the cereal, sniffs it, makes sure it's okay. She keeps it moving. And then she comes and joins the kids. And they are fighting over a toy or something like that. And it was really cool. One uh, comment, uh, Billy says, I got to it first. And then Tommy says, you always get to it first. Of course, you have speedster power. So uh, that was very cool. And one thing that was really, really, really interesting is right on cue, as it has been whenever something is in need, Agnes walks through the door and, and Wanda doesn't even turn around. She uses her powers to open the doors for her. And she's like, oh, thank you, Agnes. And Agnes says, hey, I'll watch the kids. You have a day to yourself. And she quickly dismisses the kids and uh, goes about having a day for herself. And as she notices around the house, everything is just kind of falling apart. Uh, the decor in the house is flipping back and forth from different decades. The TV went from like your modern high definition TV to one of your old black and white TVs and she fixes it. And then she looks in the camera kind of indicating, Hey, I don't know what's going on. I'm not quite sure. I'm, I'm kind of losing control. And she's really in depression. You, you can kind of, she's past the anger and grief stage. And now she's in a depression stage where she's just really, she even says, I, to the children, I know you're looking for me for answers, but I have none. Zero, zip, zilch. I don't have any answers. And I'm starting to think everything is meaningless, which is very meta, but also a direct relation to her mental state at this time. Vision, the love of her life, has pretty much attempted to escape and run out. She even says, if he doesn't want to be here, I can't keep him here, even though we all know that, yes, she can, and yes, she did. He can't, from what we can tell, is this outside of the hats. Um, and so the kids go off, and she kind of fixes the house, and there's one interesting moment where she's talking to the off-camera uh, documentary person, and, and they even say, do you think you deserve this? And she says, hey, you're not supposed to talk, which was you know very interesting. Uh, we then cut to what happened in the real world or outside the hats, as I like to say. And we see that Hayward is moved eight miles outside of Westview. 
They have another base established, which makes sense. SWORD is a big global agency, I presume. So they have the resources and they're outside uh, the base. And he, he doesn't have a very large part in this episode. This is really his only scene, but he's reading an attack. He, he says, hey, we're going to attack later today. So something's big. For these last two episodes, there were rumors that each episode, the last three episodes would be an hour. This one, I believe, clocked in around 37 minutes with the credits. But um, so it wasn't an hour. I was a little disappointed about, about that. But I wouldn't be surprised if the last two episodes are our hour uh, piece. Definitely the final episode. We know that this is the last two episodes. They even mention uh, that the broadcast signal is no longer working. So I don't think moving forward we're going to have any more sitcom tropes. We're pretty much caught up to modern day uh, now that we're in the modern family office type zone. So I, I can't see that we'll have that sitcom trope any longer. And I think these last final two episodes are going to be bonkers. My personal theory, episode eight will be a flashback episode giving us a lot of the answers that we've been missing. So I, I certainly feel it's going to be a flashback episode. And then episode nine, I think it's going to be just a straight up Marvel movie. That's my personal opinion. And we got two weeks. We'll find out for certain. But anyway, back to the recap. Hayward says the attack happens today. And that's all we see from him. They're ready in the attack. We then cut into vision waking up in the field in the middle of the circus. And uh, he wakes up. He has full memory of what happened the night before and everything before that. So uh, he's no longer under Wanda's spell at all. He is, he is awake. He knows what's going on. And he wakes up in the circus. One of the strongmen in the circus mistake him for a clown. And if you notice, a little Easter egg, he had a belt that was very similar to the century, even including the S. So that was definitely an Easter egg. I don't think this particular actor is going to be the century uh, or even that he'll be introduced in this show or anytime soon but i thought it was a very clever easter egg with a strong man having the the century belt on and we see darcy who once again I, I i love i love the character because she got stuck in the circus and all of the uh sword agents have become either clowns or or members of the circus she becomes a escape artist because she was chained to the truck so the truck has converted into a circus truck and her handcuffs have now converted into full chains around her body and the straw man tells the clown hey you're late you're supposed to be having a meeting with uh, the escape artist who vision in instantly recognizes dr darcy lewis and uh, she's under the spell. So he's like, hey, we had a moment. We locked eyes. Don't you remember me? And obviously she doesn't. And so he distracts her. He gives her his little vision zap and wakes her up. And she immediately, oh, thank you. That was not pleasant. So it, it just in, it, it just reminds us that this whole process of being under this spell is not pleasant for any of these people. It's painful. So she was very, very happy to be under the spell. And, and one thing that I found incredibly funny her personality changed none uh you see with all of the other characters they're very different from 
the actual character they portray on the show. Um, but with Darcy, because she's so animated and almost a walking sitcom herself, her personality remained exactly the same. And and one funny part when Vision says, hey, you know, we we locked eyes, it almost made it seem like there was a romantic thing. And she was like, no way, I'm, I'm out of here, I'm not interested. And as he pursues her very quickly, she says, okay, we'll go out on one date. So the, I, I found that was very funny and, and in line with her character. And uh, they still a funnel cake, yum, funnel cakes, one of my favorite carnival treats, but they still a funnel cake truck and um, they go to Wanda's house or, or attempt to get to Wanda's house where this was more of an, epi- uh, you know, just an info dump for Vision. Uh, most of it was off camera, but she pretty much catches him up to everything that happened in his life prior to Westview. And uh, Vision took it pretty well, finding out that not only is he dead and that he's been killed twice, uh, the whole point of his creation, he took pretty well. You know, he, he summed it all up. So I started off as an AI named Jarvis. My corporal fo- form was essentially the death machine for Ultron. Um, and the love of my life, my wife killed me uh, to save half the universe the bad guy Thanos rewound time and killed me again. And then he asked, so, so what am I now? And Darcy doesn't really have any answers for him. She says, you know, I thought it was as simple as turning a switch back on and putting you back online. And and we know that, um, he was backed up. His, his personality and information was backed up, uh, by Shuri, or at least most of it. But we also know from, uh, affinity war that he is not just a mind stone but he's a little bit of jarvis he's a little bit of tony stark he's a little bit of ultron he's a little bit of bruce banner and the mind stone jumbled into one creation in a vibranium body so he has a lot of pieces and he even mentions that wow you know, I feel like a different person. And I don't know if this is going to be an Easter egg because there's so many things that haven't been answered yet with two episodes left. And I don't know if this is an Easter egg that maybe he isn't a little bit of Tony anymore. He isn't a little bit of Ultron anymore. He isn't a little bit of Jarvis anymore, but somewhat of his own thing, evolution for Vision, which would be opposite of what happened in the comic books. In the comic books, if anyone is aware Vision became cold after he was brought back and really uh, became more of a robotic uh, android-type creature, or synthesoid, should I say. Here, it seems like he's doing just the opposite, where he's taken on a persona that's more human-like. Even with um, him being aware, Vision did not act like this in any of the prior movies that he was in. He was always... Even as he was growing and evolving, as Tony uh, said in Affinity War, he's like, he's not just a robot. He's learning and evolving. It seems like that evolution is continued. And he's very, very human-like. He's very, uh, he has more emotions. And uh, Paul Bettany's just knocking it out of the park. He's done a fantastic job with this character and this show. I think everybody on the show deserves an Emmy. They're just, just knocking it out of the park. But um, we cut back. And uh, we now see Jimmy and we see Monica 
and Jimmy has to text um, Darcy was able to break through the firewall uh, that Hayward have. And as we all theorized, and I said this on prior episodes, it's right in the name, sentient weapon. So we we know that they weren't trying to put Vision offline or keep him offline. We know for a fact that Hayward was trying to fix Vision, recreate Vision, and nothing worked until Wanda came. And it makes sense. He 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 said to Monica in the very, I believe, the third episode, you don't know what it was like in these five years uh, after the blip. And there's so much that I would love to explore. I mean, you could really have a whole series just on the blip. Because when you really, really think about what would happen We've seen catastrophes in our lifetime, 9-11. We've seen, you know, hurricanes. We've seen natural disasters, earthquakes, tornadoes, um, this pandemic that we're currently going through. But we're talking, you know, at most with the pandemic, a few million people worldwide, which it, it sounds, you know, horrific saying a few million people. But in the reality, when you have a planet that has what, seven, eight billion people, a few million people are not a lot. But when you're talking about half the population at one time with no rhyme or reason, those five years between the blip and the or the snap and the blip when everyone came back had to be horrific, at least for a while. You have to think there were probably so many political figures that disappeared so many military figures that disappeared, so many doctors, engineers that disappeared, farmers, athletes, actors, uh, just a lot of important people because it was random. It was not all the poor people die or all the rich people die or all the smart people die. It was completely random. So you got to imagine that during that five-year period, it took a while to... Uh, get the world back to a livable place. And we even see in Endgame, there were still areas that were overgrown, even though the environment had gotten better. The world was not 100% back. So, I mean, hopefully they'll explore that. I don't think Marvel ever leaves a stone unturned. And I could see a Disney Plus show, you know, just the blip or something like that. Hey, put Jimmy Woo in that where he's exploring cases of what went on, missing people. You can make it as serious as you want, or you can make it as funny as you want. There's a lot of material to mine there, and I hope Marvel goes back to it. But anyway, um, we see, and I hope this wasn't a reveal, we see Monica and Jimmy meet with her guy, and it's not Reed Richards, as many of us were hoping it would be. It wasn't... Blue Marvel, the aeronautical engineer, it wasn't Shuri, it wasn't um, Beast, it wasn't Rhodey, it was, it was just a, a lady, just a lady. But she, I looked her up, she has no significance in Marvel, but keep in mind, that was just a crew. I still feel, it may be the last episode, but I still feel we're going to get a reveal on who this aeronautical engineer is. But um, they give her a space rover. 
which already has the shield logo. I'm sorry, the sword logo, which was funny when, you know, they say it was built to her specifications, but they took the time to put a sword logo on it. And the uh, soldier that gave the vehicle to Monica said, hey, you know, we're loyal to you, to your mother. And that's not all that we're loyal to, kind of indicating Captain Marvel. And we saw Monica once again kind of scrunch her face up at just the thought of Captain Marvel. I don't know what went on with her, but I, I feel there's definitely a big reveal that's going to happen there. And um, we can get into that on, on another episode. But she suits up, she gets into the vehicle, and she drives straight for the hats. And no, the hats has been fortified. It's stronger, and the vehicle is not going through. It actually almost stands up vertical and starts converting, and, and Jimmy gets panicked. Monica hops out, and being the tough girl that she is, being the, you know, the she was a hero before power, she's going to be even more awesome now, she just physically just runs through it, and it takes her time, and you can see one of the cooler uh, visual effects that I've seen in a Marvel movie, all of her different identities just started splintering and through sheer force of will. And we start hearing voiceovers again from uh, Captain Marvel and Nick Fury and her mother and everyone. It's just from sheer force of will. She puts all of her personalities back together, all of the different types of versions that she had been, and she stays herself. Uh, through sheer force of will. Not only that, when she comes out, we see that she can see the energy fields of the entire hats, and her eyes change color, and we we knew that this was coming, but it looks like we've just completed the origin story of the Nets Marvel hero, and, and I, she's gone through many names, Photon, which a lot of people had... Uh, thought she would be called she hasn't obviously got a code name yet she's still just monica rambo i think she's going to be more spectrum here uh but photon is certainly a possibility she's even been captain marvel before but she's got her powers and and in the comic book she has a pretty extensive power set um she has intangibility similar to vision where she can just make her body uh, completely intangible she can move at the speed of light, so that's something similar to Carvel, Captain Marvel. Uh, she can uh, pr- uh, project energy and absorb energy. She can change her physical appearance uh, to anything and anyone. She has a, so she has a very very powerful uh, power set. And if they give her all of her powers that they do in the comic book, I don't know if they're gonna dumber powers down we've seen them do that with hulk and other characters but um if they give her all her powers she's gonna be one of the top three or four uh powerful characters in the marvel cinematic universe beside wanda uh captain marvel and maybe dr strange she's got to be right up there as far as power levels but um she and it was very cool if you notice after she took off the astronaut suit her costume was very very similar to her costume as photon in the comic book with the white and black and uh, i thought it was a nice homage and i could see maybe with the reality warping ability she make herself a superhero costume uh from that it, it could definitely happen 
but she uh, runs to uh, Wanda's house. And um, from there, we see her make it to Wanda's house and Wanda's sitting there minding her business. And she's like, how did you get here? How did you get back here? She starts to power up, like, get out. You're not supposed to be here. And once again, Monica almost breaks through. She's like, look, I know what you're going through. Well, actually, before they had the conversation, Monica tried to uh, actually boot her out of the hats and she just bounced off. And I think that has a ability with her new powers. And one thing that Deadpool would be so proud of, she did the superhero landing. Uh, I never realized how often they do the superhero landing until Deadpool pointed it out. And she definitely did the superhero landing, which was really cool. And right on cue. We see Atnes comes in right when uh, they're fighting and yelling, and we can see Monica actually breaking through to Wanda. Atnes comes through and says, hey, you know, you're not supposed to be here. Leave her alone. She's Wanda's been through too much. And Wanda turns around and says, hey, don't make me hurt you. And uh, kind of just leaves her there on the front line. And we see Dottie. Hey, Dottie, we haven't seen you since... Uh, a couple of episodes i thought she was going to be a bigger part but um yeah the whole neighborhood even the creepy uh mailman who's now like a fedex guy uh kind of witnesses everything and monica goes i'm sorry monica just kind of stands there and wanda goes with atness um once they get into atness house um atness offers her some tea and Wanda kind of starts looking around and she's noticed that, you know, her house hasn't changed with the time. Everybody else's house has changed due to whatever Wanda wanted, but her house is the same. She notices the cicada on the wall and she notices the kids' TV show on and their food and beverages half consumed. And she asks, hey, where, where are the twins? And Atna says, oh, um, they're probably playing in the basement. So Wanda goes down to the basement, and as she goes down, we start seeing some straight Carcosa vines and and cauldrons and, and all types of witchy, weird, scary stuff. And we get the big reveal. We get the big reveal that those who know, know Agnes is actually Agatha Harkness. Her hair's changed. She has her brooch back. And she says, you don't think you were the only magical being here, did you? And she locks the door, and we see a book uh, that they zoomed in. It looks like one of the books from Doctor Strange. Uh, it could be that. It could be The Darkhold. Now, The Darkhold is a very powerful book that's been not only in the comic books, but it also has been seen in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., it was a focal point for a season or so. And it was also used on the um, the Runaways. We saw the Darkhold. It looked a little bit different from this Darkhold, so from this book. So I don't know if it's going to be the Darkhold or if another book. But yeah, uh, there was a huge, huge reveal that for the rest of us who knew, Agatha is indeed Agatha Harkness. Now, they set it up to make it look like she's the big bad, complete with her own theme song, which was awesome. I still don't think she's the big bad. In the comic book, Agatha has been on the bad side, but she's more of a neutral character. In fact, she ended up being the babysitter for um, 
read in uh, Sue Storm's son, um, Franklin Richards. So hopefully, because she's just a phenomenal actor. Catherine Hahn, I wasn't familiar with her until this show. And I went back and saw that, you know, she's been in a, a lot of things. But she is incredible. Um, she's one of those standout characters that you wouldn't mind seeing her in anything, no matter the story. Put her in, put her in a cameo, make her the new Stan Lee. So hopefully they'll keep her around. And um, we see that her magic has a purple glow. And we see she kind of takes control of Wanda. At least that's what I'm assuming, because Onda, Wanda gets the purple glow around her mind. And then we cut to the most awesome. It looks like it was an ode to the monsters, because the theme music, they always mention that every episode, almost every episode had custom theme music. And the episode, this particular episode, opened up with music that was almost key for key, the same as The Office. And... So I I was a little disappointed because I've really grown to look forward to the theme songs because they not only are they funny and catchy, but they also give you a lot of insight on what's going on. And not to be disappointed, but I should have known Kevin Feige doesn't disappoint. He just teases us and then just dominates our mind and takes our money and we're happy to give it to him. Uh, we hear it's Agatha all along and, and very similar to the monsters. And we see uh, her transforming herself from the very first episode, bringing in the plant. She was there and, and they have a line. Every evil string. It was Agatha all along. We see her at the for the children, the creepy event, using her magic to control some things. We see her on the lot. We see her with Herb. In that episode, she's the one that tripped him out and made him cut into uh, the wall. And then we've even seen her with Pietro. And I don't know if that means she created Pietro or Pietro or she's mind-controlling Pietro. But we knew that it wasn't Wanda who brought him. She even said, I didn't do that on that episode. We see her with the picnic on the lawn. And she's controlling Pietro in some way. I don't know if she brought him. I don't know if she created him. My hope is that because she is a witch. And if you notice in Thor, um, the witches, uh, Thor's mother is was raised by witches. They have incredible powers in the uh, MCU. And I'm hoping that she was able to just look at the time and space continuum and grab this particular Pietro from the X-Men universe. I'm not giving up on that, and I hope he's not just a construction. Theories are that Pietro is Nightmare in disguise or Mephisto in disguise. I don't think that's the case because if it was Nightmare or Pietro, I don't think Agatha would have to control him because Mephisto and Nightmare are infinitely more powerful than Agnes. So I really think my theory, and we'll find out in a couple episodes, I feel she plucked him out of the X-Men universe and brought him in and she's been controlling him. But I'm hoping that after the mind control breaks, we have a new Pietro that will stick around because Evan Peters is just great and everything he's he does. I've been a fan of him for quite a while. And he, he's a fantastic actor. I mean, I wouldn't mind him being a bit bad, but I, I wouldn't mind seeing him stick around uh, as well. And then uh, the part that sucked... Uh, but was also awesome. She says, and I killed Sparky too, which, you know, she just delivered it. So uh, 
so awesomely. But let's hope John Wick doesn't hear that because then it's grass, it's grass. And for the first time uh, all season in seven episodes, if you didn't stick around when you when you hear that, uh, please stand by. It's been the bane of my existence since the show began because I'm in love with the show, infatuated. It's awesome. It's been one of my favorite MCU experiences, bar none. But the episodes feel like they're so abrupt. And for me personally, I'm here on the East Coast. I stay up to three o'clock in the morning. Every Thursday, well, technically Friday morning, so I can watch it. And then I usually will get up again at 6 or 7, watch it before work. And then I'll watch it again during my lunch break so I can give the review to you guys. So I usually watch it three times in 24 hours. And every time I watch it, it just seems like it ends so abruptly, right when it's getting good. But it's worth it. It's worth that week wait for the next episode. And uh, there hasn't been any post-credits. I've stayed for these exceptionally long credits for six episodes, but this is the first post-credit. And we see Monica attempting to go into the basement and successfully opening the basement and seeing all the purple energy and all the the weird vines and old-timey witch stuff. And who pops up? A person that hasn't been seen in the entire episode None other than Pietro, and he delivers the awesome line, Snooper's going to snoop. And we see her eyes turn purple. I don't know if that means she's now under uh, Agatha's control, but uh, that 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 was really it. And I did miss one thing, uh, Vision and uh, Darcy, who was being stopped at every moment, every time. It was very almost like the Truman Show. Every time they got closer, the light came or kids started walking across the street or or police or, or something like that. And in a very comical way, uh, Vision is, st- even though he's trying to get to Wanda, he's cur- he knows what's going on. He's still in the sitcom trope, sitting down on the director's chair, talking to someone uh, talking about all the things, and I, I think Wanda's trying to keep us from going. And then he realizes, what am I doing? Why Why am I even doing this? And he takes off the mic, and it just flies, phases out of the truck and just flies to Wanda. And I think that's probably where we'll pick up on Episode 9. Like I said, I do not feel we're going to pick up exactly where we left off on Episode 8. I think Episode 8 is going to be a complete flashback episode, Mark my words, you heard it first here on Down in the Den. I think it's going to be a complete flashback episode, so we see how we got to where we at. We'll see Vision get taken in in real time. We'll see, I believe, that Agnes met Wanda somehow uh, before this or been watching her, and I believe Agnes put her under the spell and maybe even boosted her powers with that book that was shown and we know that the commercial, the commercials have always been a, a huge part of uh, the show, giving you a little idea. I know there's some th- theories that they're Infinity Stones. I do not believe they're Infinity Stones. I believe the commercials are really just trauma that uh, have really impacted Wanda to bring her to where she's at now, into the state of mind where she's about to lose it. And... uh on this episode, very specific, where you see the uh, pharmaceutical industry advertising commercials. We see Nexus for 
depression, an antidepressant. And uh, the Nexus has a big role in the Marvel Universe. The Nexus is an area where all of the realities converge. And we also know that there are certain beings, Wanda being one of them, that are Nexus beings that don't change um, in the multiverse. They're the same. And they're also the keys to entering the multiverse. And I believe Wanda, I think this is going to be the reboot from her just being a miracle when they couldn't say mutants to her not only being a mutant, but her also having some witch heritage and being a Nexus being. And I believe one of the Nexus locations are going to turn out to be Westview, New Jersey. And that's why Agatha has a house there, because she's trying to access something that she needs Wanda for. Like I said, I don't think she's going to be the big bad. Do I think it's going to be Mephisto? Do I think it's going to be Nightmare? Do I think it's going to be a combination of the two? Perhaps. But I think there's some more big reveals but I don't think we're going to pick up uh, where we left off the next episode. My theory is that we'll have a flashback episode, kind of similar to how episode four was a big flashback episode where we saw what was going on in real time on the other side. And then I think episode nine is going to be the big battle. We know we've seen some trailers and we've seen some scenes in the trailers that we still haven't seen yet. So it's very awesome that Marvel has pretty much shown trailers from potentially the final two episodes but there's a scene where vision flies down in one of the trailers wanda's in the purple hoodie outfit or red hoodie outfit that she's wearing in this current episode and she said this is our home and vision says well let's defend it so i think episode nine will be the attack that hayward started and and there's they're attacking trying to get vision and uh we've heard uh, Tiana Paris, the actor who plays Monica, say it's sad. It's a very sad ending, and I, I don't think it's going to be a neat ending either. I think this is going to be a trilogy with WandaVision, Spider-Man 3, finally ending a multi, ending the story in um, MOM, Multiverse of Madness, Doctor Strange 2. Uh, but we'll see. We'll talk about that on later episodes. But once again, this episode... Three and a half. It was good, not great. Not a filler episode like a lot of people are saying. I'm hearing a lot of reviewers online saying it was a filler episode. To me, it wasn't. There was a lot of important things that got that happened. Uh, and I can't wait to see how this, this ride ends. It's been an incredibly enjoyable ride. I think it should be Emmys all around for the cast. And uh, Kevin Feige, like I said, the man has been uh, knocking it out to part batting a thousand as of late so uh, let me know what you feel in the comments don't forget to subscribe to the podcast uh, also i want you guys to check out uh the uh mars studios m-a-r-z studios on uh uh i'm sorry mars entertainment m-a-r-z entertainment on youtube it's the new channel that's upcoming uh, not only will we be having podcasts there but we have a couple of interesting shows going. Uh, it'll, it'll be coming soon. So uh, I can't wait for you guys to check out so we can get some visual with the audio so you don't just hear my lovely voice. You'll get to see my handsome face. We'll have guests. It's going to be great. Um, but we're always going to have this podcast for you guys. So that's it for us. As always, thank you for listening to Down in the Den. Like, subscribe, share, and uh, deuces.